Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy. Back knowing all that I know now was that he probably just needed to go ahead and move to the next nap schedule and and have those awake windows adjusted, have a little bit more awake time to build more sleep pressure. Um, because he was such a big, healthy baby. It is true. And that tip is going to be, like Sarah said, exactly what some of you parents need. It's going to be the golden nugget in this podcast. All right, Short Naps is on our podcast episode today. And I feel like I should say, raise your hand if you struggle with short naps, because it's a thing that is so frustrating. We, I think, Sarah, please correct me if I'm wrong, we're dealing with this like, every single day on our chat, on the calls, every single every day. Every single day. Yeah. Such a common thing for little ones and parents dealing with that. Yeah. So short naps, by the way, are incredibly common because sleep cycles during the day are different than during the night. At nighttime, our sleep cycles are 90 minutes. So by all, by just, you know, thinking about it at nighttime, is your child waking up every hour and a half on the dot? That's probably why, because they're waking up out of their sleep cycle, looking for help to go back to sleep to the next one and connect that. During the daytime, sleep cycles can be anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. It depends on the kid. I know that Sarah's little one, Kenny, had like, you knew exactly how long his naps were. Oh, I knew I had 29 minutes on the dot from the time I put him in his crib. And this is when he was little, little, and I was doing it almost every single thing I could, um, you know, as a sleep consultant, as someone who's highly trained by you, I was like, okay, searching my repertoire of what can I do to cause, to get these naps to lengthen. But I knew when I put him down, I could go downstairs and I had 29 minutes before he would immediately just open his eyes and the nap was done. And it's so frustrating because there's not a whole lot you can get done in 29 minutes. And so then you're kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to sit here. Right. And then it's like you just feel like you're on an anxiousness all day long, knowing that like you don't get a break, really. So let's talk about this. By the way, I just said you don't get a break. And I can already hear the critics saying, oh, so naps are just a time for the mom to have a break. You know, like, no, naps are needed. Your child needs the naps. But we're going to go through really six tips to help you resolve these short naps because they are common and we want to help you out as much as possible. So the first tip we have for you is to analyze your child's schedule. Are they even on the right schedule? This is so common that between the ages of six to 12 months old, you're finding that your child is having short naps and you're like, gosh, my, my 10 month old is like all of a sudden waking up 32 minutes after their nap when they used to nap for an hour and a half. Like what is going on? Well, Here's the deal. A lot of times at 10 months old, they're ready for slightly more awake time. And this isn't like super common knowledge. Like you're not going to find a 10 month old nap schedule out there that's like, by the way, adjust wake windows by this much, but we have that for you. And so this is why we are so passionate about our free schedule generator. When you go to littlezsleep.com slash schedule dash generator, use that like every single month just to make sure you're on track. A lot of the times, the short naps are happening because it's time to adjust your child's schedule. Maybe it's increasing wake windows by 15 minutes and saying, okay, you used to nap at 9.30. Now let's try 9.45. Or maybe it's, okay, you're on one nap and it's a shorter nap. So maybe let's try to shorten it a little bit to see if that kind of helps anyways with nighttime. Or maybe it's nighttime that needs to be shortened. So the nap gets longer. There are like 
there are so many different tweaks and it, it's a math equation. It doesn't it feel like it's like you're it just really doing math is. every day. And I remember as a first time parent, you talk about this back all time, how the four to six month time frame is a whirlwind um, because it, there's constant change. Like as soon as your baby adjusts to one schedule, they're ready for a new one. And so we would always joke like, oh, we've had a few weeks of really great naps. It must be time to change everything about our daily schedule. And it was really true. And I would literally not know if I'm not sitting, sitting down, focusing on counting how many weeks old my baby is that like, oh, well, he's 20 weeks now. I guess he's five months. He might be ready for this next nap schedule. That could be why naps have been shortening. So you have to kind of be on it, especially during those early days, the four to six month period, because it's like new schedule, new schedule, new schedule, new awake windows, and then add in the nuances for every baby. There's not necessarily always a one size fits all. If you are doing, you know, you analyze their age and you're on the right schedule, it might be that your little one needs like a slight different tweak. Um, and so I love that people can, you know, email us at little Z's and inquire about that. Like, Hey, I'm doing what's on the free schedule generator, but that's not working. What can I do next? Mm -hmm. There's always something to tweak for sure. So the next tip that we have, this is not really like a tip. It's like a theory that I have a bonus tip from where we were before. I have this theory and it is not proven. And there is no research been con conducted on this except for my own just experience working with over 500 families in a one-on-one -on -one capacity. There is something about kids who are usually taller or larger than the average size. So a great example is um, Kate. She is the COO here at Little Z. She operates and handles all our team. She's incredible. And guess what? Her daughter at 10 months old was so huge. That girl is so juicy, chunky, amazing deliciousness. And that girl had like the need to increase her wake windows more than usual. And we've talked about this. I think it's on a podcast episode, but I've seen it in Kate. I've seen it in other of our team members who just have these like big babies. They're sometimes ready for more awake time. Probably my favorite story of all is I worked with this family a long time ago who had a nine month old who was 25 pounds and that boy was ready for a one nap schedule. And I was like, no, he's only nine months old. Absolutely not. He can't go to one nap schedule. And like after two weeks, I was like, the heck with it. Let's try a, two, a one nap schedule. And it was exactly what it needed. So I do have this weird theory and Sarah was totally correct. Like, there are definitely differences per kid. And sometimes this tip is that if you do have a child who's on the higher of the uh, the growth charts or the, the higher of just a higher than average, larger, taller than the average five-month-old, 12-month-old, whatnot, sometimes they're ready for a little extra week windows. It's You're not crazy that things feel a little bit different than other kids their age. It's not always the truth but sometimes it is. And we're just throwing that little tip out there and you take it and use it if you need to. I thought that tip was so golden when Becca first told me and working with so many of our clients, I was like, yes, this is true. The, the bigger they are on the growth chart, the taller they are. And then my little non-scientific tidbit that I like to add to that is when they were born too. just the same way that someone, a baby who was born a little bit early might not be ready on time for a new nap schedule. They might stick with shorter awake when it's a little bit longer than the average baby. Um, I have one who was born at 41 weeks and he was, it was my short napper, Kenny. 
Uh, he was 10 too when he was born. So he was just humongous and born late. And he was always ready for nap transitions a little bit earlier. Um, and so probably part of his short napping, looking back, knowing all that I know now, was that he probably just needed to go ahead and move to the next nap schedule and, and have those awake windows adjusted, have a little bit more awake time to build more sleep pressure. Um, because he was such a big, healthy baby. It is true. And that tip is going to be, like Sarah said, exactly what some of you parents need. It's going to be the golden nugget in this podcast. So speaking of um, other tips that we have, because that was like a very good like aside for just some people, all these other tips, they're going to just be exactly what you need. So Sarah, what are some other tips that we can use and implement to solve short naps? Eating. Eating is a huge part of short naps. Um, so when you're feeding your child before a nap can play a big role in them going down with a full tummy, not waking up early from a nap because they are hungry and ready to eat again. And as they start getting older, especially with that like five months, I feel like five months starts to be a time where you've literally been feeding your baby. You know, it's different for every child. But for me, with my two kids, it was like we stuck to every two and a half to three and a half hours for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, awake windows were starting to stretch and the they were not eating right before they went down from a nap. And so I, I needed to add those feeds in. So it's like doing a top off feed about 15 minutes before I put them down for a nap was really important and it was sometimes hard to keep them awake and that's an important piece of it too is like awake while you're eating so we don't let that drowsiness set in but feeding them and having them go down on a full tummy was magical that is actually the thing that finally got us through the 30 minute nap mark with Kenny, our second, um, was adding in those top off feeds. So yes, you do sometimes feel like, well, I'm just feeding them all the time. I'm feeding them when they wake. I'm feeding them solids in the middle of an awake window. I'm feeding them a top off feed before they go down for a nap. But you cannot overfeed your child. Like they're growing faster than they will grow the rest of their lives. This is like exponential growth here in these early days. And so you literally, I, I remember literally asking our pediatrician, like, can I overfeed him? Cause he just eats all the time. He was like, absolutely not. You know, um, you can feed them constantly. And that might be a little bit exhausting for you, but it really helps with sleep. Oh, well, definitely something that for um, for like a nap rhythm and a nap routine, when you're on a two nap schedule and you're like, but these naps are short and you're on two naps. Sometimes when you make that transition from three naps to two naps, you are going to need to have a feeding before the nap um, because you're stretching those wake windows and that's very, very normal. On the other side of this, a one nap schedule, you're likely going to need to have, um, you're not likely, you are going to need to have lunch and then immediately go down for the nap. So having them have a nap with a full belly is highly important to make sure that you're checking that off your box. Like, okay, they're not waking because they're starving. They just ate 29 minutes ago, right? Like they're good. So it's definitely something that we want you to consider to help solve these short naps. Absolutely. And then another thing I think would be environment too. Um, looking at your little one's environment to make sure that everything is in place to help them have the best nap possible. And if you follow us at Little Z's, you already know what we're going to say. Darkness, darkness. Um, you know, a lot of people will email us and say, well, how long does it have to be dark? How dark does it have to be? 
And the truth is we all sleep best in a completely dark environment, like even us as adults. And so if you can make your baby's room 1000% dark and block out all the light that is going to kind of creep in and wake them up and keep them awake between their sleep cycles, prevent them from going back to sleep. If they do wake shortly, that is going to be like the ultimate for their sleep environment. And then white noise, having that sound machine, um, Beck, I know you love like the dome and I love, we love the hatch here at Little Z's. Those are wonderful sound machines to carry your child through um, their sleep for a long, long time. We even use the hatch, my husband and I, in our bedroom. Like we sleep best in the dark with our sound machine on. And then temperature, having it between like 68 and 72 degrees in your baby's room and having them dressed appropriately. Those are all going to help with the short naps as well. I want people to, to kind of consider that, you know, if your child has maybe always slept just fine and the room has never been totally dark and you're like, but it's not that they've never slept, you know, um, they've never slept poorly in their room. And it's always been this kind of like, you know, you can kind you can see your hand in front of your face. Like, I don't need to dark it out. Just like humorous, okay? If naps are all of a sudden not working anymore and you've checked their schedule, you're on the right track, they're they're eating well, like everything's good, would you just like humorous and like black out the room just to see? Because things do change as your child grows and your brain is going to register sunlight even when your eyeballs are closed. So it's it could be common that your toddler who slept just fine as a baby in a, a dimly lit room, now all of a sudden they're older, they're thinking more things, they can look at their toys. It could be darkness if they're now waking up, looking around their room, wondering what they could get into next, and it's not totally blacked out. So definitely something to consider if you're thinking that, you know, that hasn't been the issue, but it could now be. So just don't count that and don't write it off as absolutely not the problem. Yeah, we've even told families like the little light on your monitor camera. If you feel like your baby is staring straight into the monitor camera, it might be because they're looking at the bright green dot that's like <laughs> yes. right over their head. I Kenny was doing that. And when we put electrical tape over that dot, all of a sudden at nighttime, he never stared at the camera again. So little things go into your child's room, close the door, you know, close the blinds, close the curtains and see how light it really is. And because you might pick up on something tiny like that, the light around the door. If you had come to our house um, when our kids were really little, we had mattress twin mattress sheets around the door frames because it blocked all the light coming in from the hallway where we didn't want to black out our entire upstairs, but not blocking that light was huge. Um, we've since taken like the easy blackout curtains and cut the strips of the easy blackout um, blinds and they have Velcro and put those on the bottom of our doors. Ooh, I need have, to see like, a picture big of that. Farmhouse doors, a lot of light. Oh, yeah. A lot of light creeps in underneath them. And so now we just basically created a little door sweep um, that blocks the light. So we got to get rid of the twin mattress covers. Um, but, you know, little things like that can make a big difference. So don't be afraid to have your upstairs look kind of kind of crazy, right, but it helps and <laughs> for your child to be able to sleep in a dark And Sarah brings up a really good point. So Sarah's house is over a hundred years old. It's this farmhouse. Like there's likely going to be more creaking and like, and um, you know, uh, gaps around the doors, like analyze every little detail about your house. That's definitely a big thing we want to think of when you're trying to solve what's going on with short naps. What's another tip for us, Sarah? Um, yeah. Waiting before you get them up. 
that's another really huge thing. And if you give your child time, they might be able to connect sleep cycles and go back to sleep without you needing to intervene at all. So if your child's sleep trained, you know that you're not like rushing right into their room anytime they wake up. Um, we don't want to promote that behavior. We don't want to reward that those instant wake-ups with like instant gratification like mommy's here because that can perpetuate the cycle. So wait, give them space and give them time before you go in and get them. And if they wake up and they're, you know, screaming the house down from the minute they open their eyes, I know that can cue you as a parent to like rush in there, like something might be wrong. But we have those video monitors. We have our cameras and we can check our child and see that, oh, they're laying there. They're completely okay. They're safe in their crib. They're just mad because I would be mad too if someone woke me up prematurely um, or for some reason they couldn't get back to sleep. They're still tired. They're still cranky. So they might be reacting to that, but give them space yes. before you rush. Inside it. of our programs, we give like per age, we tell you like how long we want you to wait for, what to do in those waiting periods, what to do if they don't go back to sleep after they after you wait, what to do if they do go back to sleep after you wait. And it is so critical because like Sarah said, giving them that space, we want them to connect back to how did you fall asleep in the first place? Oh, that's right. I was sucking on my fingers or I grabbed my buddy and I rolled to my belly or I had my pillow and my blanket, like whatever it was, giving them some space to think about things instead of instantly rushing in to, um, to be that like savior in that moment. It's not, it's going to help your child set them up for a better nap the next day because they're continually remembering this, which brings us to our final tip. We've talked about analyzing their schedule making sure they're on the right one, analyzing your child's um, uh, statistics on whether they are larger or taller. Are they ready for more awake time than maybe they, they actually schedule says? Are they eating before their nap? Are they f- going to sleep on a full tummy? Are we looking at the environmental factors? Let's wait before we just like instantly rush in when they do wake up 29 minutes on the dot. All of this, our final tip is to implement this for at least one to two weeks. Because change doesn't happen nap to nap. Change is a process. Sleep is a process. So as you go through these checks, implement all of them consistently. Don't try one each day and think like, oh, if I tried this one, okay, that didn't work. X that one off. Try the next one. Implement all of them together solidly and consistently for one to two weeks you're likely going to see changes. And that is so important to remember that sleep is a process and changing your child's sleep is a process. What words of encouragement are you? Because I, I, I'm, I'm asking Sarah this because she literally is encouraging parents every single day when it comes to short naps. So what kind of encouragement would you share with a, p- a parent who's just struggling with these naps? Oh, it's going to get better. When, when you're, there's a, aspect of peace and control that you feel as a parent like when you have a plan like this podcast literally gives you so many different things that you can try and you can implement them consistently and so sometimes I tell parents like you are doing everything you can you just need to give it time at this point let it work itself out um, because you've checked everything off the list obviously if you just try one of those things and it's not working there's more that you can do Um, and there are resources for that we have like the sleep society and you can jump in there and you can ask other moms on our Facebook group 
you know, what do you do? How did you break through? Even me as a sleep consultant, you know, I had a 30 minute napper. We are not exempt. Um, And, you know, being able to share my story with other families in there and with families that are working with us in chat every day is very encouraging so that you can hear, oh, it was food for you that helped you break that nap cycle. It was increasing the feeding and adding that in or increasing the awake time or, oh, you went in your room and saw that it wasn't actually completely dark. And that was the big factor that changed for you. So, so there are so many different resources. So I would say another, you know, piece of encouragement for families going through short naps is like plug in, plug into the podcasts and our YouTube videos and the sleep society. Um, if you're sleep training and you're still experiencing short naps and you've been working so hard with training, get on chat with us. I love you were explaining this a minute ago, Becca, about, you know, we have in our plans and our programs what to do if your child wakes up after a short nap and then they fall back asleep. And I, I go through that with parents every day, like, oh, they just woke up. What do I do? I'm like, give it a minute. Pause. Literally, let's talk through this. Um, like, go take a sip of water. Come back. If it's been a certain amount of time and the number of times they'll say, oh, my gosh, they closed their eyes and fell asleep. Now, what do I do? When do I wake them up? So I love being able to. Like when you don't have the mental clarity to to know what to do in that situation, to be able to step in and tell families, like, this is exactly what you're going to do step by step. It's going to be okay. Take a breath. Um, naps are not going to be like this forever. Just how we were saying in the beginning, four to six months is like a really crazy time for naps. Um it also means like there's another change right around the corner. <laughs> so I know just if you can hang in there and stay consistent with these what you're working on to lengthen the naps, eventually there are going to be new things that you can try, a new schedule that's come about because they're a little bit older. So hang in there, stay consistent, search for resources for help. That is a really, really, you know, empowering thing for parents. And this is definitely my favorite thing about the Sleep Society. So inside the Sleep Society, which is our membership, and we have a Facebook community of over 700 parents who also are always working to keep sleep a thing, but it's the actual society video vault. When you log in to your membership, the very first thing you're going to see is get my child's roadmap. And this checklist we've gone through today this is like touching the surface. It's all the things you can like quickly try to like, okay, let's try to solve short naps. And likely you're going to definitely see some success with this. However, your child's not a robot. Things change. And we want you to stay on top of those changes. So every single month, this isn't something you just go through the checklist and you're like, all right, well, I'm done with that for good. Nothing in parenting is one and done. You're likely going to have to come back to this list, but the Sleep Society gives you every single month as your child grows the top five things that you need to work on that month in your child's sleep, whether it is acknowledging that separation anxiety is happening or that maybe it's time to share a room with their sibling or that we need to um, look at lowering the crib. There are literally, the list goes on and on and on. Every single month, there's something to think of. And we just want to make that really easy for you. So you're not having to like dig back through all of these resources. It's all right there in the Sleep Society. And that's such a good point to talk about, Sarah. These tips that we shared with you guys today are going to be that springboard for you. So 
let us know in the podcast ratings and reviews. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear what this podcast has meant to you. Um, Sarah now joining me as the official co-host of the Little Z Sleep podcast. We want to know what you're loving about this podcast. And we want to thank you for continually being here every week and appreciate you guys sharing these episodes with your friends and your family because that's the way we grow this thing. So Sarah, it was so good to be with you today to talk about these tips and thank you for your insight. But let's end on how did Kenny's, how did Kenny's nap end? Like, did it, ever go past 29 minutes oh my word he oh people don't believe me when I tell them that he was an amazing nap or he was a bad napper at first because he's amazing I mean he napped all the way up until almost three years old I mean perfectly so about five months old we had it all figured out we'd worked through all the things um and naps had lengthened and then we just never went back to short naps we worked through all the regressions so another thing I love in the sleep society is like certain ages when your child is just going to naturally have a regression due to development or whatever you can jump in and troubleshoot those know what's what's coming up next with your little one so he was stellar he was a stellar napper once we finally broke through um Yes, there's there's light on the end of the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel with short naps, for sure. Thanks so much for being here today on the Little Z Sleep Podcast. If you're looking for resources to help your family make sleep a thing and finally get the rest that you and your child both deserve, head to littlezsleep.com to find your child's sleep program and also all of our free resources from our YouTube, blog, and podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Sweet dreams. See you next time.